as a result because they all broke do you remember you had that uh he had this suv that like driving that thing was just like a harrowing experience it was like kind of like driving a runaway minecart. so <laughs> the power steering didn't work and neither did the brakes right uh-huh. I, uh, yeah that was my uh ford explorer no so, no it was so a just ford kinda, escape ford escape you just kind of pointed it where you wanted to go and then just hoped you got there in one piece yeah my 2002 ford escape that was actually my favorite car i called it the uh, millennium falcon oh yeah because it was like super clunky and like the brakes never worked and shit and like the power steering would always go out but it like also did the kessel run in two parsecs yeah but it also <laughs> did like the kessel run in 12 parsecs or something and like it was like super reliable but, yeah, man, I missed that car. I was just talking about another car that I had the other day. It was a Mitsubishi Galant. Mm. And uh, I almost ran that thing into the ground until a friend of mine was like, hey, I'm going to Mexico. Can I have your car? <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Sure, it's yours. So it's just like dead in Mexico. Somewhere. So, yeah, this dude actually, he took my car, my Mitsubishi Galant, all the way to Mexico. And, uh, like, he sent me a picture of where it finally died. And it was, like, in the middle of a desert. Like, <laughs> Next to, like, a cactus. He was just like, here's your car. And made it all the way to Mexico. And I was like, great. You gotta say goodbye for me. Was that the one that leaked? Oh, yeah. It would also leak. Like, uh, like the air conditioner would leak all over the floor. So every time, like, somebody got in the car, I would be like, uh, you know, make sure you're wearing good shoes. Oh, yeah. The wet floor. <laughs> the floor is all wet. I would, like, put the towels down. It was, it was... And it got all mildewy. Yeah, it that smelled was, That was crazy. my least favorite car, actually. I really wish I had my Ford Escape back. I've only had one car. It was a 2003 Hyundai Accent, and it was a pretty good car. I never had any problems with it. I wound up selling it to a policeman's daughter. Yeah. I flipped my first car. Really? Yeah. And then, uh... How'd that happen? Uh, Don't Drive don't Angry. Yeah. It was basically... I closed down, uh... I closed down a 452 up to Barnaby's on a Friday night at 10 o'clock, though. That was pretty fantastic. <laughs> I, uh, I closed down, uh, what is it, the George Platt Bridge? I closed down the whole George Platt Bridge once for like 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. Because I was in, was when I was doing construction, I was in my work truck, and I just looked out my, uh, I was going over the George Platt Bridge, which was just like one lane at the time because they were doing like work on it. 
And I looked in my rearview mirror because, like, the, the truck started, like, bumping up and down. <laughs> and I just saw in my rearview mirror my back tire was just, like, exploding and, like, pieces of it were flying <laughs> everywhere. And I was like, oh, no, how do I do this? So I just stopped dead on the George Platt Bridge. I was like, there's nothing I can oh, do. Man, people are honking at you. Oh, my God, people are honking at me. I, like, got out of the truck. I was like, there's nothing I can do. <laughs> and, like, they were all so mad, but they also totally understood that I didn't have, like... So what happened? I only had three of four tires a policeman came like zooming up the opposite way uh-huh. and was just like you just gotta drive that thing real fast real hard down this bridge and pull over and i was like all right here i go <laughs> so i just like gunned the thing with with only three tires and i think it screwed up like the axle and stuff i was like in trouble at work but i still worked there for another year be- before i was fired <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah. That sucks that they got mad. Everyone gets mad at you. At least on mine, they were like, oh my God. Because I got out without a scratch and totally just like, oh, whoa. Yeah. And they were like very sympathetic to I my situation. In high school, <laughs> I knew someone in high school. She was in a car that flipped and she got like a serious. I think she was like waving to somebody outside the window like when it happened. And so she got like oh, no. half her face torn off. Oh, no. Yeah. Like uh, it was really sad. <laughs> yeah, it would suck if she was like flipping somebody off and she got half her face torn off. <laughs> like, I mean, it's karma. pretty easy. Like, my car apparently was the number one prone to rollovers like ever, and it just said eighty eight percent of the people in rollover accidents in this two thousand one Chevy Blazer die. Ooh. Wow! And then there wasn't anything else about the other twelve percent if they're horribly maimed they should just, or uh, paralyzed. Then, but I got out literally with like four bruises. I didn't even have whiplash. Yeah, <laughs> then you come along and roll on over. Yeah, they scrape put, along the uh, roof. Tires on the roof on the prone to flipping vehicles. Oh, can you grab that? Why was that back on? I turned it back on because it was about to get warm in here. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. No, I was saying, uh, they should put (laughs) tires on the roofs of those cars so that you can just keep driving if it flips. Like, you know, like those old RC cars. Yeah, and then, like, your I landed back on my wheels, so... Oh, okay. But they didn't want... They didn't work Did the car drive back? No, it didn't drive after that. No, it it turned off, like, midway. And I always, like... Well, I thought of... The first thought I had was Jurassic Park when it hit the ground, and I was, like, immediately, like, and we're back... (laughs) In the car. And then I was like, wait a minute. I really was just in an accident. Like, this is fucking crazy. <laughs> There's no time for movie references. <laughs> There's no bad time think... for movie references. That's true. <laughs> I think if there's one more I'll take from, from all these stories. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, this is the uh, Mystic Pizza Minute. I'm David Holford. I'm uh, John Windsor, and with us today again is Miss Caitlin Fontecchio, our uh, resident expert in linguistics. In paranormal linguistics. Paranormal linguist. Here I am. Hello. (laughs) And today we're covering minute, what is this, 16? Yes. So uh, the bar scene continues, basically. At the end of the last minute, we saw this character that I had written down just as the asshole enters the bar. He comes in with a couple other yuppie people. Uh, they immediately get down to ordering some white wine and stuff. Why is white wine a signifier of, like, being I, an asshole in a bar? I, like I had white a wine. spritzer on the end, though. I was like, oh, like a white wine spritzer? Because I guess that is the cliche for... <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> You're wrote... rich and foolish, and of course you order that in a bar, you loser. And then uh, Joe <laughs> comments that she thinks the, uh, the head asshole is kind of cute, to which Daisy responds, yeah, if you like white bread. Right. 
Right, yeah, I wrote um, a bunch of blonde buddies walk in and order a bunch of white wines. and blonde uh, drinks. Yeah, Lily Taylor says it's cute. Uh, Daisy's uh, racist towards white people. <laughs> and, and, uh, and then I have uh, Vincent D'Onofrio is uh, sitting on the bar with his friend who I think is... What did I write down before? Uh, I don't know, somebody from Law & Order. But, uh, but did you lose all your Law and Order research? Well, that, that was uh, you know last week's notes. Okay, all right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he says to his friend, he's like, uh, he's like, look at that punk, and he's like, I would look good in a coat like that. Woody. So they're gonna kill him and take his coat. Is That's that kind of what minute? it sounds like? Kind of what he's like very early on implying. And so then the uh, the head yuppie guy goes and he immediately starts like placing bets. With the local riffraff, of course. Right, well, yeah. I, I will like to point out that the local riffraff also just kind of looks preppy. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah. well, Very well, clean cut. Yeah, he's got like one of those like sharp-edged beards kind of going on. Oh, yeah. Oh, and the perm. Yeah, yeah this, a little like, uh, George Michael hair. <laughs> this like greasy kind of looking guy, you know, pulls a bunch of darts out of the wall and like gives them to uh, Adam Stork's character, uh, you know, the head, the head yuppie. Yeah, Adam Stork is like, uh, he's kind of like when you go into a prison and you immediately have to like beat up the first person you see. (laughs) Adam Stork walks into this bar and he's just like, I'm placing bets on darts. I I wrote down that this is kind of a snobs versus even more snobby snobs situation. Yeah, yeah, because the other, the greasy snobby snob, he's kind of like, he's like kind of like a really cut like skinny looking uh Danny McBride sort of guy. He looks like a like a frat boy or something, you know? Yeah, but a frat but boy a who like hangs out yeah, at like, like a Jersey Shore frat boy. Yeah, yeah, the frat boy who hangs out at like the dirt bar. Yeah, he uh gives the darts to Adam Stork and he's like, let's make it fifty. Well first he's like, I bet you ten bucks I can make three bullseyes in a row. Mm-hmm. Which is a bold bet. Yeah, that would be I think even for like a professional dartist that would probably be a difficult thing to pull. Maybe he is a professional dartist. We don't yeah, know. Maybe. It's true. He probably goes to like Yale or something. Four darts. Because everybody Four does. Darts. Yeah. He's got a full scholarship. Yeah, everybody uh, in Mystic ends up going to Yale, apparently. Yeah, but it's like they still got this towny, like, outsider divide, even though, like, they seem somewhat cut from the same cloth. Mm hmm. That it's a year round community, but they're acting yeah. like it's like a living. It's like living in Woodstock. Like you know, you're either a billionaire or you're like a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the millionaires are like the riffraff around uh, around Mystic. So uh, w- one other note. This is kind of from the previous minute, but we wound up watching this minute with subtitles because we wanted to know exactly what was being said. Mm-hmm. But um, do you remember in the opening scene? Uh, now you weren't here for this, Caitlin. But like in the opening scene in the pizzeria. There's music playing, and the subtitles actually list all of the uh, the lyrics as they, they go along. Mm-hmm. In this case, the music is subjugated to just rock music plays in brackets. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so they don't even have the lyrics, even though this song was basically written for this movie, right? Yeah, so th- that's how unimportant See the song us. is. For the, you know, it could have been anything. You were saying that See you thought it sounded us. a little bit like Huey Lewis. Yeah, it's got kind of just that mom rock vibe if i go into a bar with my mom i expect to hear music just like that <laughs> we should try to cue this up on like uh and she's gonna be into it on like, like touch tunes in a bar there's gonna be some good <laughs> like dancing. everybody it's the song from mystic pizza from the bar remember somebody <laughs> will someone will be like i graduated to this song we walked down we walked down the, the aisle for this i was hoping when we looked up the lyrics for this song it was just gonna be like remember like uh at the end of uh, Mystery Men, there's that, like, Kel Mitchell rap where he's just, like, talking about the plot of the movie. I love... Well, one of my long-standing wishes is if I had infinite money to, like, hire, like, people that knew how to make music, 
I would love to take all of the Will Smith movies that don't end in a rap summarizing the plot and then <laughs> write up Will Smith style raps summarizing the plot and then right. just superimpose them over the end credits and then just release those torrents into the wild so that they just get kind of mixed in with the regular ones. <laughs> it's like uh, the guy who um, wrote up a synopsis for every Street Sharks. And yeah. it just became, like, canon. Have you ever heard of this? Okay, no. so all of... Uh, until very recently, all of the information about the television show Street Sharks on the internet was inaccurate. <laughs> because in, like, 2004, this guy went on to TV.com and saw that there was nothing written up for Street Sharks. And that was, like, an, you know, like a Wikipedia-style kind of thing. Right. So he added episode descriptions, episode names, episode descriptions, like, guest stars, all that stuff, and just made it all up. And... This, like, went undiscovered for, like, a decade. And then some kid wrote, like, a paper for his fourth grade class, like... Well, somebody must have been like, oh, I want to see the episode that, like, Mark Hamill was in, and then turns out no such episode exists. (laughs) (laughs) Had he ever seen it, or did he just really just go from scratch? I don't know. I'm I'm not really sure. I, I would love to know more about that. I'm gonna say no. He didn't see it. But, but that information—that <laughs> information like spread to other places and stuff too, because like they were the only ones with any street shark in a fact. <laughs> so, so like you know, for a while, the Wikipedia article on street sharks was just getting it, its info from this TV.com article. Now, would you and, say because of that, do you think that uh, information on the street sharks now is like super highly accurate? Because people have to go back and like change all that. The lawyers came in and they were like, "No, no, no!" (laughs) So now there's just follow the real story. Now there's way too too much information on what the street sharks is. Well, I I bet like on Wikipedia it's probably accurate, but if you went back to like websites like say Uh (laughs) TV.com, you know, ones that hadn't been touched in a while, I bet a lot of that inaccurate information still remains. Yeah. Yeah, so go look up Street Sharks, everybody. Oh, I would love to get some Street Shark figures. Wouldn't those look great on those shelves up there? <laughs> Absolutely. What, you've got everyone. the space for them. Why aren't they already there? You can get well, little plaques like with their names on them. <laughs> so my cat likes to jump up this bookshelf and then get onto those floating shelves and, you know, kind of prowl around the room. I actually had a dream that I made a system of pipes in the walls for my dog to travel through. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was like the apocalypse of some kind, and it was especially dangerous for her. I mean... She's only five pounds, so everything's Aww. dangerous for her all the time. But I like had like this really intricate like tunnel system that I put in just to keep her inside the walls so she couldn't get hurt. The end. <laughs> well, now you know what you got to do. Yep. Where is my cat, anyway? <laughs> Haven't seen him since I got Yeah, he's been hiding the entire time. He's, he's not into talking much today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So what else we got? Anyone else got any notes? Um, well, I was talking about uh, in our last episode uh, how many uh, characters or how many cast members from Mystic Pizza are in Law and Order. Oh yeah. Because um, uh, you know every time I look one of these people up, it turns out they're they're from Law and Order. So Lily Taylor, she was in two episodes of uh, Law and Order. She wasn't like the schizophrenic person that I thought she was originally. She was just in an episode called Undercover Mother. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. She, she, uh, herself, Lily Taylor's character in Law & Order SVU, she goes undercover as a sex worker to try to find her uh, sex-trafficked daughter. Oh. Yeah. So that actually sounds kind of like an interesting episode. A total episode of SVU. And then, uh, so then I was looking up the other uh, actors, and, uh, well, Vincent D'Onofrio, we all know, like, was Law & Order. Yeah, he starred in uh, Criminal Intent, right? Yeah, yeah, for 141 episodes, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio <laughs> oh, that's was... Like, uh, that's 37 more episodes than there's going to be of this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. 
So he was, uh, yeah, Robert Gordon in Criminal Intent. I was actually watching that uh, earlier today with my mom. I was watching Criminal Intent with Vincent D'Onofrio in it. And um, it was a weird episode. Like, uh, at the end, turns out this girl was poking holes in her condoms <laughs> so that this guy would get her pregnant and then she would put a whole bunch of money down on a horse. What? What? And that was like the crime that happened in this. I feel uh, like there's a part of that plot that's missing. I, I may not have been paying attention. Must have just been a big like, twist somewhere in there that explained to it that, somehow. Uh, episode, you know, I was doing a lot of talking with my mom. Like, where did the horse come from? This is uh, recorded it, was, around was, Mother's Day. She so got I've like been... impregnated by the the no, the she... guy that owned the horse, and then and then they wanted to. Bet what, the farm on that the horse? horse? Yeah, I guess he was, he was real rich or something, so she wanted to get pregnant by him, and then she had this whole horse scheme. Like, it ended in, like, a, it ended in these stables, like, next to the horse. Uh-huh. And, like, Vincent D'Onofrio's there, his, uh, his partner, uh, I forget what her name is, she's there. And, you know, Vincent D'Onofrio's, like, giving a play-by-play in front of everybody involved what happened with this, like, horse and the, the condoms. And, and he tears off her mask and, yeah. like, exposes her. Do you think they make horse condoms? Uh, Probably for the insemination process. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know there's a special contraption, uh, like to do that to a, a horse. It's kind of like, <laughs> like a. There are horse flashlights. Why? What? Because that's kind of what this thing is. It's like a big uh, thing that you put around the thing, and you know, it, it makes stuff happen. That's where little baby horses come that's from. That's where little baby horses come from. People, it's a from giant thing. flashlight. It's like from from horse flashlights. Well. Oh man. Um, well, but, um, so Annabeth Gish wasn't on uh, Law and Order. She was actually on CSI for a couple episodes. Ooh, CSI with um, that. And Chad Farrell wasn't on Law and Order either. She was on uh, LA Law for twenty episodes. I uh, had a crush on a girl in high school. I'm obviously not going to name names, but uh, that crush ended the, the moment that she recommended that I watch CSI. <laughs> so I, I was like, oh, she's real smart and has good taste and stuff. So I went home and like watched it, and I believe the killer turned out to be a robot. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was just like, I'm, I'm not interested in you anymore. Right. Reasonable. My uh, yeah. my mom watches a lot of NCIS, and uh, which I, I kind of really hate a lot. But uh, since my mom loves it, I've seen like uh, must be like a hundred episodes of that show by now, mm. and like I know like everybody on it. So like I might as well not call it a horrible show since I've seen. Well, so what's much what's of your it. favorite part of NCIS? My favorite part of NCIS is actually like the pilot episode, like episode episode wow. number one. You've been uh, on for a long it's like, time. Uh, it's like an establishing shot of like Air Force One at an airport, and then it goes like in, onto the inside of uh, Air Force One, and uh, George W. Bush walks on. What? And, uh, <laughs> It's but it's like an impersonator, like oh. a George W. Bush impersonator playing George W. Bush on the right first, off the bat, they right off the a... bat, like first episode <laughs> of NCIS. They're just like Pulling we're gonna save guns. the president, and then uh, <laughs> you know I uh, forget what the guy's name is. The the main character in NCIS, he like comes on and saves the president because like Air Force One's about to blow up or something. Sounds like a Harrison so. Ford movie. So yeah, but uh, you know the, the, I may have just made it seem like NCIS is good, but it's not. <laughs> well, with a start like that, I don't know how it couldn't be. A little bit of a disclaimer there, though. Yeah, don't don't go watch an NCIS just because I told you the most beautiful story of the first episode. I mean, <laughs> really, like you well, maybe watch the first dragon. episode <laughs> yeah. and then and then stop. That's not much of a commitment. That's true. <laughs> yeah, but uh, does anybody else have anything else for this minute? I actually, I 
going back to that head yuppie guy, I don't know if you guys noticed that throughout the scene, he just had a like a folded dollar bill between his knuckles. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't. As he was just like, that's how he paid the bartender with this like crisp, like kind of wrinkled, like he just pulled it out of the laundry, like <laughs> but dollar it was just bill. In his hand when he walked yeah, in. and he paid. He like, or I think he pulled it out as soon as he like. He's like, give me, give me these white wine spritzers and a light beer, and and he like. Hands the bartender this money, and then he goes up and makes the bet again, holding this dollar bill. Well, and then when he like, uh, like, it automatically replaced itself. Yeah, it just like refilled the space. But then it's the like guy when you take is a like, ticket, another ticket oh, comes out. when he goes <laughs> and he goes, make it fifty. He kind of makes this face like, oh, and he and he just sort of like crunches the bill and shoves it in his pocket because you know a dollar's not good enough for this bet anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe that was like the only twenty he had. It so wasn't it was, even a twenty; it was literally a dollar bill. So yeah, maybe that's the only dollar <laughs> bill he had. So he wanted to know, like everybody did. No, think he had money, but he really just has that one money in his hand. They all yeah, thought he, he had money. The they were immediately, and he's yeah. going to put everything onto like a tab and then just leave because he doesn't live in Mystic. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, like when they walk in. My only other note is that when they walk in, the girls that he's with are just looking around like. As in, the, the, their expression They're on their on face. safari or something. Yeah, it's They're like, just ooh, like, this is where the poor on? people drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how quaint. Look at this glass. When they got their wine, it wasn't a wine glass, and they definitely raised their <laughs> eyebrows. Like, ooh, what an experience. Can't wait to tell the book club. Yeah. <laughs> this place was under a bridge. <laughs> Slum no, diving and Mystic What if it turns out, like, uh, Adam Stork's character isn't, like, really a yuppie at all? Like, what if he stole that Porsche? Like Aladdin? And what if he's, like, going to be putting these people on? Do you think the fact that Joe is initially attracted to him is at all significant to the larger plot? Or is it just, like, a, a throwaway kind of... Like, is Bill going to wind up competing with this guy, you think? No, I think that that was just girl, like, oh, honey, you better get on that, because mm. he might get you out of Mystic, just like you always hoped for, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, she he might be that. rich, and then, yeah, what if she does find out he's poor, and then and then she is really mad? But like, that might strengthen the attraction, because maybe she's like, she. it turns out at the end that she's more attracted to somebody who... Uh, you know, just put on this big elaborate scheme and like and lied to her and all this. Yeah, but then like, she well, realized they're in. They have so much in common. Uh huh. Yeah, it's because of the, like she would do something like that. You know, like they're the same kind of person. And that maybe he works at a pizza place too, like oh. uh, across like in Stonington. like the fancy Called, pizza or place, Pawtucket like <laughs> yeah. pizza or something. Like that, right pizza. up that river, you know, <laughs> yeah, Stonington is, uh... pizza, or in East Newington, Connecticut. I would pizza. love to know <laughs> if Mystic has like a uh, like a Shelbyville style, like rival town. They must. Every town has them. Wait, is that true? Does media have a rival town? Yeah, uh, you could say Swarthmore, maybe the high school in Philadelphia, or no, Westchester. Philadelphia's rival town is just every other major city on the East Coast. Uh huh. Yeah, we'll fight you. <laughs> just all of you. Every single all of you. Use guys. All use. Use twos. I'm all tapped out. Yeah, I'm all tapped out for this episode. Um, thank you again, Caitlin, for coming on our show. Thanks for having me. Our, uh, our resident expert in linguistics. It was uh, good to have your input. <laughs> I gave no linguistic analysis. Sure you did. Well, do you have any linguistic analysis that you'd like to share with us? I now? could. I could about the general accent of Julia Roberts and how terrible it is. Oh, yeah, like, what's she going for? She, at one point, she's kind of going New York, and then at one... And, and this was in, the, like, those earlier minutes, but mm-hmm. I noticed her drop into a southern drawl for no reason. Where is she actually from? I, isn't, I don't even know. 
So is Connecticut like in the New England dialectic yeah. region? They 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 root for for Tom Brady. You know they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna be going for the Pats. But no, these people. It's weird. It was maybe it's more just like her idea of the white trash accent. So she mm. goes with. New York, or like a little bit of like Central Florida Southern. Or... Well, maybe they're not from Mystic. Like you know, it's possible that they could nah, have moved they there. gotta be born and raised, right? She goes, yeah, I don't we gotta think, get out I think of for Mystic. The plot, it would make sense for them to be born and raised. Yeah. yeah, I don't think you move from somewhere else to Mystic and become a, like a pizza worker unless you're, you're running away under like if a you're false a pizza identity. Worker in Mystic, it's because you're from there. You're actually in the witness protection program. If you move there. <laughs> like if you move to Mystic, you, you are already rich and moved to Mystic. You didn't You retired there. there. You didn't yeah, you, retired you didn't there raise kids you, there. You moved there with your family to like the better neighborhoods. But um yeah, we're gonna wrap this up right here. Um our music and theme song is by Bungler. Uh Steve Richardson is our producer. And that was the Mystic Pizza Minute, minute sixteen, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.